Good morning, dear saints, and blessed epiphany. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. Today is Tuesday, January 24th, sorry, Wednesday, pardon me, January 24th, and you're listening to the program where each weekday morning we explore the holy scriptures to which God bespeaks us righteous and nourishes our faith. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo of St. John Lutheran Church in Laverne, Minnesota. On this Wednesday, January 24th, the church commemorates St. Timothy. Uh, Pastor Timothy, who was the recipient of Paul's letters of First and Second Timothy, was a figure of great significance in the early church. For those who might not be familiar, recall that St. Timothy was a close companion and disciple of St. Paul. He was known for his devout faith and steadfast dedication to the Christian community. He served as a pastor, guiding the early believers with wisdom and compassion, and encouraged and taught, of course, by his mentor, the Apostle Paul. We remember St. Timothy for his role in shaping the early church and for his unwavering commitment to the teachings of Christ. Teachings like today in chapter 3 from Paul's letter to the Colossians. Timothy undoubtedly would have heard these same teachings from Paul firsthand. In this chapter, St. Paul instructs us on living a Christ-centered life. He emphasizes a moral transformation that includes shedding our old behaviors and embracing virtues like compassion and patience. He then provides some explicit rules for Christian households. Wives should submit to their husbands. Husbands must love their wives. Children ought to obey their parents. And fathers should not provoke their children. And servants are advised to obey their masters with sincerity as if serving the Lord. This chapter serves as a foundational guide for Christian family and social relationships, all of which, of course, are underpinned by the love of Christ. So I'm grateful that you've joined us today as we go into Colossians chapter 3. There's all kinds of ways to connect to the show, and I I like to remind you because maybe you have someone who isn't in the St. Louis area and can't listen to us on AM850. Well, you can have them go online at kfuo.org. They can listen to the show as it's live streamed or on demand. An even better way, in my opinion, is you can download that KFUO app onto your phone. Or you can use any of your own favorite podcasting apps or websites or smart speakers. There's so many ways to tune in. So settle in, open your hearts and your minds. We're about to begin. A friendly reminder that Thy Strong Word is graciously supported in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Learn more about LHF when you visit lhfmissions.org. If you have any questions or comments about today's show, we are live, so you can call us. That number I'll give out in just a second. But if you don't want to call, you can email at pastorboo at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook. Send me a message or a friend request. We can chat there. I can get your questions and your comments out on the air. Now, if you want to call, are you ready to write it down? Here it is, 800-730-2727. Joining us this morning, it's the Reverend Benjamin Meyer. He's the pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in, I think it's called Condit, Ohio. Am I saying that right, Pastor Meyer? <laughs> well, uh, Sunbury is the uh, the mailing address, so it's always listed as Sunbury, Ohio. Oh, okay. Well, that, that'll help people locate you on the map anyway. Uh, the, right. You are not a stranger to KFUO. You've been on Concord Matters. Um, we hear, we've heard your sermonette over time, too. But I think this is the first time you've been on the show with me. So I just want to ask, you know, as I do all my new guests, how is God using you and the folks there at Hope? Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. You can share as much or as little as you'd like. <laughs> 
Sure. Yeah, it's great to be with you. Um, I've been uh, serving as a pastor for oh, over 18 years now, I guess. And I've been here at Hope for seven and a half years. It's a it's a great congregation, a great fit for us uh, as far as a family. I've got four children. One is a student at Concordia Chicago right now, and then a uh, 16-year-old daughter, a uh, 13-year-old son, and an 11-year-old son. So they keep me plenty, plenty busy. But then I've also been blessed to be able to work quite a bit with the uh, immigrant congregations in the Columbus area. Uh, I'm the president right now for the uh, Central Ohio Lutheran Immigrant Mission, which helps to make sure that the ministry to the Ethiopian immigrants and to Somali immigrants continues. And that is, uh, that's a really a joy to be a part of. That's amazing. You know, I, here I am in, in Southwest Minnesota and well, frankly, we're, we're still pretty much reflecting the, those who have first founded their homes here, the homesteaders. When you get into the cities, we, especially the twin cities, we have a lot of the immigrant population and folks that we're trying to witness to Christ to. And some of them are out there witnessing about Christ to us. Thank the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so I'm, it's, it's exciting for me anyway, who's not, in that environment to hear all that great work that you guys are doing. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a blast and the Lord is doing amazing things. Excellent. Wonderful. Well, I'll tell you what, we have some stuff to look into today with Colossians three, and I don't think it's very controversial, but you know, with the sentiment of the world today, some of it can be if it's not properly understood. So I'm glad you're here to help us understand it before we get into it though. Would you start our time together with prayer, please? Sure. Heavenly Father, as you have claimed us as your own in holy baptism, uh, we pray that you would help us to live from that baptismal identity, that we would live as those redeemed by Christ, and that we would glorify you in all that we say and do, uh, in our love for you and our service and love to our neighbors. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, our text for this morning picks up with chapter three, verse one. However, just like we, it seems to be every time we come together to read Paul, he's in the middle of a thought. (laughs) Chapter three, verse one begins, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. But that's following a, a pretty long point he's making about, I guess, this controversy, this heresy that's going on in Colossians and from what we glean from the text is that people were being encouraged to look everywhere but Christ. And then they were also being imposed upon with with rules that they thought might endear them to God, just like the rules would endear the pagans to their gods. Uh, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, he says. He says, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, Why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to such regulations? So I guess catch us up just a little bit before we head into the the next part of Paul's thought. Absolutely. Yes. Colossians is my absolute favorite book of scripture because it so clearly articulates the gospel to us. It gives us Jesus very, very clearly in chapter one. Then it tells us of the the work of Jesus and what it means for us in chapter two. And it, it grounds that in baptism. 
So we get to chapter three and it's rooted in what's come before, which is that you have died and you uh, have been buried with Christ in baptism. You've been raised with Christ as a new creation. Uh, this is a, a reality from which we live. We're not looking to uh, to find a way to become right with God, but we live from the reality that we've been made right with God. And so uh, I was able to present on this at the, the last youth gathering we had. The reality is when we live from our identity that we have in Christ, live from our baptismal identity, instead of searching for that identity, there's security in that. And we are able to live from grace instead of constantly measuring ourselves under the law. So Paul, when he says, if then you have been raised with Christ, what he's really saying is, uh, this is the reality that you live in. You have been raised with Christ. So live from that. Know that you are right with the Lord through baptism into Christ. And now that's going to shape everything that you think and say and do going forward. Yeah, It's in this chapter that the ESV editors, um, at least in the next section that we're going to get to, label it as rules for Christian households. Now, I don't deny that there are rules and that he's making them very explicit. In fact, that's pretty helpful when we're looking for ways to live out our Christian faith. But if I can say, you know, but I, I don't think that's a, the best way to look at it. I, no, I, on I Wednesday mornings, <laughs> on Wednesday mornings, I've been looking um, through Proverbs with uh, my folks and we, we just covered Proverbs three today. And I just want to add in a couple of verses from that. Um, here we have the proverbial father giving advice to his son, pointing him toward the wisdom and the objective truth that exists out there. And he says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments uh, for length of days and years of life and shalom they will add to you. But just focusing on that, but let your heart keep my commandments. It's that kind of idea that I'd like to apply to this because – if we're keeping God's laws because we think that by doing so, he'll either throw us a bone, throw us some blessings, maybe even give us salvation because of them, you're kind of missing it. But if we're if we have God's law within us and we're living them out of our heart, that is a desire to, I guess, live according to, out of the graciousness of the faith, live according to God's will, then we see these not as rules by which we can negotiate some favor with God, but simply what we're supposed to do, our identity, as you were saying. Yeah, uh, there, there's a, a great uh, way that uh, Chrysostom talked about this. He said it is similar to one who has scoured a statue that was filthy, recast it and displayed it new and bright, explaining that the rust was eaten off and destroyed yet he recommends diligence in clearing away future rust. So we've been created uh, anew in baptism. We are a new creation in Christ. And so now we live from that reality, but we want to live as that new creation. We don't want to allow ourselves to become rusty, to become uh, mm -hmm. soiled with sin as we go forward. Uh, I, I like to think about this also in terms of 
the uh, the first, second, and third articles of the creed uh, in relation to baptism. I think a lot of times when we think baptism, we think third article, which is good. That's great. Uh, the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. So in baptism, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the second article dealing with, with God the Son, well, obviously that's going to have to do with baptism. We are baptized into Christ, and so now his righteousness becomes our righteousness. We are justified through him. But I think sometimes we forget about baptism in relation to the first article. And the first article deals with creation. And God created us for a purpose. God created us to live in given ways. And he ordered his creation in given ways. And when we live from our baptismal identity, we now no longer have to live in search of how would God have me live, but we live living in the way that God has created us to be. And so there's a freedom in that. There's a joy in that. And uh, as you just mentioned from the Psalm or from uh, Proverbs, there is peace in that because we're not fighting against the created order. We're not fighting against our creation, uh, the, the creation, but rather we're living as God has intended us to live from the very beginning. You've you've put it very beautifully. I I have a pretty simplistic uh, example to add to uh, what you said. But I I used to have a 1989 Mercedes-Benz 190E. They called it the Baby Benz. And boy, I love that car. I, I, I got it. It's the only car I ever made money on. I, I, bought, I bought it. It had like 300,000 miles. and I sold it a couple of years later for a few extra hundred than I bought it for. But my point is this. Like a lot of those types of cars, they require, require uh, premium gasoline. Except I'm pretty poor at the time. Um, you know, it was an old Mercedes, make note. And so I would put regular in it and it just would not run right. And whenever I put what was intended by the manufacturer, (laughs) suddenly it works better. Uh, Go Uh figure. It's worth the Uh expense. It was worth the scrimping. And and so I'm no Chrysostom, but (laughs) in the same way, you know, whenever whenever we live according to the way God has designed us to live, I love how you brought Mm -hmm. up the first article, then things tend to go better. Well, let's add some verses, though, from Colossians to our conversation. I'm just going to read. I'll tell you what. I'm going to read through 11. So it's quite a bit, but we'll uh, we'll go through it part by part. Here we go. He writes, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, 
circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free. But Christ is all and in all. All right, we're going to pause there at the end of 11. Uh, you're right. I, I tell you what, I'm definitely warming up to some Corinthians being one of my, I mean, Colossians, pardon me, being one of my favorites. <laughs> Corinthians has previously and still kind of reigns a little higher in my estimation, but the clarity with which he just puts it out on the table is amazing. Take us through this, brother. Yeah, it's 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 so simple, but it's just profound because this is uh, the clear teaching of the word of God. So if you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So again, we look forward to the resurrection. And it's it's not because we have been good enough. It's not because God has said, okay, I did my part. Now you've got to do your part, but because of Christ. So now because of my baptism, I know where I stand with the Lord. Uh, I like how Luther puts it in the large catechism. Nevertheless, I am baptized. And if I am baptized, it is promised to me that I shall be saved and have eternal life, both in soul and body. So Paul is not in chapter three saying, okay, now Jesus did his part. Now you've got to do your part if you want to be saved. But rather he's saying, as one who is saved, as one who is redeemed, here now is how you will live because Mm -hmm. you are a new creation in Christ. So you're going to put to death what is earthly in you. And earthly here, uh, sometimes we use, um, well, sometimes that that uh, idea of a physical can, can creep in as being bad. That's not what Paul is saying here. It's not a Gnostic thing, but rather he's saying those things that are inherited sinfully. So sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. He says, put those things to death. Well, how do you do that? How do you put to death those sinful desires that you have? Because we all have them. We all have experienced these sinful desires. What do you do? Well, you put them to death by taking them back to baptism. Uh, That's what confession and absolution is. It's going back to your baptism and it's confessing and it's being then restored again, given that absolution, that word of forgiveness. And and as uh, uh, John Chrysostom says, now you're maintaining that uh, diligence and clearing away the future rust. Uh, You are living as that new creation. Uh, Luther talks about this in the small catechism that by daily contrition and repentance, the old Adam be drowned and die. Well, we have to confess our sins when we recognize them. We take them back to Jesus. Again, we're not dealing with this on our own. We're, we're going back to the one who is powerful. And he takes care of this for us. Uh, now, one of the things I think is interesting here is that he connects covetousness with idolatry. Uh, And I think Mm -hmm. (laughs) we have a problem with covetousness in our nation. We, we, we kind of think coveting is, is kind of a good thing because it leads to us acquiring more. 
Well, to the okay. ire of people, well, I, I sorry to interject, but to the no, ire of people that when I say this, but our our economy is based on covetousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I recall, yeah. I recall, in an effort to boost the economy, um, a couple of presidents ago, a few presidents ago, uh, I believe it was George W. Bush. Um, you know, they had did an initiative where everybody got three hundred dollars. Remember when you got three hundred dollars, and they were so worried. They, being the economists and those who were in charge, they were so worried that people would save it. Because it wouldn't work, they said, if you saved it. But people were hurting and a lot of them did save it. And frankly, it didn't work. But when you have and I'm not trying to pick on the economy and I'm not an economist, but 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 whenever you're sort of motivated by getting the latest and the next and the best. Yeah, that's that's idolizing or coveting what your neighbor has. Um, one person once told me, well, I don't have a problem with coveting because if I ever want something, I just go get it and then I don't covet it anymore. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I guess that works if you can do that, but, I, but not really, <laughs> not really. Right. Right. Yeah. You think it, Gordon Gecko greed is good, right? Yeah, um, right. here that they, well, the, the, the reason that covetousness is idolatry is because that's what you have now set your heart on, right? Anything that you fear, love, or trust in most. That's what is your God. And so uh, Paul is saying, don't set your heart on these kinds of things. Uh, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Uh, and then he, he recognizes this is how it was for those Colossian Christians. But now uh, in these you once walked when you were living in them. But now. You must put them all away. Uh, Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Uh, One of the interesting things here is the use of speech. Uh, Of all of creation, mankind is the only being given that ability of of speech of language that is so uh, well it, it it goes back to the creation how did god create he spoke uh, and now he gives the power to speak to mankind how do we then use our words well if we're using our words in anger wrath malice slander obscene talk lying, uh, that's a misuse of what we were created to do. Uh, But then we're being renewed in the knowledge of our creator. We're being renewed in the way that he would have us live. And so now we're not going to use our our words in ways that tear down, but rather that that build up in in ways that communicate the love of God. And we're going to see that in that next section. Uh, But then he, he concludes this section by showing that the things that divide people in this world are gone in Christ. Uh, Here there is not Greek and Jews, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Uh, Our world loves to look at the things that make us different from each other. And this is one of the great things that uh, we get to experience with the 
uh, immigrant mission that that sometimes our congregation gets together with uh, one of the Ethiopian congregations and we'll have a service together. And and some of it's in English and some of it's in Amharic. And the, the songs are sometimes the ones that we know from our hymnal. And sometimes they're singing uh, hymns in, in Amharic that they have to translate for us so we know what's going on. Uh, but it's the same Christ. And we are one in Christ. And so the world looks at that and says, you guys are all so different. But we look at that and we say, no, we've been baptized into the same Christ. We have the same head. We are part of the same body. We are united. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Elsewhere, he's also going to talk about male and female. He doesn't add it here. These two lists are not exhaustive, but it is interesting which things he chooses to highlight. And and right now, they're sort of the negatives. And when we come back from break, there'll be more of the positives, like what you should do, as opposed to what you just shouldn't do. But before we even get there, I just want to bring up, before Christianity, the idea that peoples were equal or could become equal, say, through Christ, um, that really wasn't a thing so much, at least not in all cultures. Uh, Would you agree or disagree that Christianity really brought this idea of people being um, equal in the eyes of God and equal in Christ? I mean, the things that we are searching for today or a lot of people who are searching for today outside of faith, really, they can actually contribute to Christianity for bringing that into the into the Western world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, again, this goes back to how God created things to be. And so now we're not living in division because division is brought about by sin, but we're living in unity. Uh, We are one. We're all descendants of Adam. And so now there is only one mankind and we live from that reality. And, And Christ has come not as the savior of some, but we're in the season of epiphany. We get to remember he came for the Jews and the Gentiles. So even those weird wise men, those magi that come from way far away with different customs and had been involved even in in false worship. Now they find, oh, here's the true God. Here is the one who has come to save mankind and they bring him gifts and they worship him. And so, yeah, the, the divisions are brought about by Satan. The divisions are brought about by sin. The unity is brought about by Christ. And so if our world wants to experience true unity, if we want to get rid of racial tensions, it happens through Christ. Now, one quick thought before we go to break, though. Now, there might be people out there thinking, well, gosh, it sounds like, uh, you know, Pastors Boo and Meyer are saying that we should reject um, what diversity brings. But that's not what we're saying at all. At least that's not what I'm saying. We, we still can appreciate the diversity that that um, different experiences and cultures mm-hmm. bring, right? Sure. Yeah. I, I, I think one of the things that is important to remember is that baptismal identity doesn't erase our other callings or interests or gifts, but rather it informs them. So now uh, somebody coming for, with a, a different um, cultural background, different language, different um, expectations, uh, they're going to bring something to the table that 
we can benefit from, and then we're going to bring things that they can benefit from. Uh, again, that's one of the reasons we love doing things. We uh, A lot of times we have our youth group together with Ebenezer, which is, a, again, an Ethiopian congregation down in Columbus, is because we want them to be with each other and the different groups are able to bring different things to the table. And, and we learn from each other and have a, a richer experience from that rather than assuming the way that I do things is always the only in the correct way. Uh, we can benefit from the, the richness of God's creation. Yeah, don't forget, folks, that Christianity made it to Africa and Ethiopia before it made it to Europe. So, you know, we, we are all united, of course, by our faith in Christ. But you know what? This is a good place to take a break. So don't go anywhere. When we come back, Pastor Meyer and I will keep on going with Colossians 3. See you on the other side. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo. With me today is the Reverend Benjamin Meyer, pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Condit, Ohio. Don't forget, folks, that you can contact me at pastorboo at gmail.com or on Facebook with your questions, comments, and more. You can also call in at 800-730-2727. All right, heading back to our text. You know, we've been focusing on Paul's first section here, which is very much uh, what you should avoid. Put to death, therefore. Put them all away, therefore. Uh, starting with verse 12, he then changes the tone. He says, put on then, and let's hear what he has to say. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds together everything in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right, that brings us to the end of verse 17. So, yeah, he, he then talks about 
in very practical ways, you know, here's what you should avoid. Now here's what you should do. Yeah. So he first begins with put to death, right? So uh, do away with these things, but then the reality of being baptized into Christ is we are clothed with Christ. So now we put on as God's chosen ones, uh, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Uh, these things don't come from within us, though. They are given to us from outside of us. Uh, so these come from Christ, and we are now clothed with Christ. So we're putting on these things, and then that creates a new reality in us. Uh, so we can be compassionate and kind and humble and meek, but that is not human nature. Human nature, according to our sinful uh, fallen uh, status, is is prideful and is mean-spirited. And uh, here, the change is because the Holy Spirit is at work, because this is the new reality of who we are and what we are in Christ. And so now we bear with one another. Uh, that is not easy to do all the time, is it? <laughs> right. No, no, in, right. In the church, you, uh, you are gathered, gathered together with people and you have what? Old people and young people. And you have people that are blue collar and white collar. And you have some folks that are really into the arts and some people that don't care about that at all. You've got all of these different kinds of personalities and so it can be a challenge to put up with each other, to love each other. But that's a gift of the Spirit. Uh, this, again, is not something from within us, but it's the, the work of the Holy Spirit allowing us to bear with one another. Uh, one of the fruits of the Spirit is being long-suffering. We are able to be patient with each other rather than snap at each other, rather than find fault with each other. Uh, and so then if, if one does have a complaint against another, what's the, what do we do with that? Well, we forgive. <laughs> Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Uh, again, forgiveness is not something, according to our sinful nature, that we like to do. I want to hold on to that wrong. I want to let that fester. I want to feed that. I want to remember all of the reasons that I should be upset with you. Uh, but forgiveness puts that aside. Forgiveness is saying, for the sake of Jesus, I am letting that go. Because Christ has forgiven me, I am forgiving you. And so now I'm not going to remember that thing that you do that irritates me. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to think on that. I'm going to forgive it. And I'm going to try to love you as best I can. I, I like I'm glad that you added as best I can, because <laughs> one of the things that came <laughs> up in our discussion this morning with Proverbs and please correct me if I'm wrong. And if I, if I need a nuance it, I'll, I'll go back to my people and tell them. But there is kind of a reality. You talk about all these differences of people, people who like the arts and who don't like the arts. In my life, it's like people who like sports and people don't like sports. I Like mm -hmm. I just couldn't care less about sports. I hope that doesn't diminish anyone's opinion of me. Uh, but sometimes it makes it hard to talk with people because, you know, a lot of people do like sports and that's what they want to talk mm -hmm. about. Um, mm -hmm. But that could go for absolutely anything. And then right. we also deal with 
with things differently. We deal with pain differently. We deal with loss differently. We deal with uh, mm-hmm. all kinds, even good things. My point is a this. sense of humor, right? One yeah, person oh, finds goodness. something hilarious and another person finds that same thing irritating. Oh, Lord, help me on that one, because I, I have a little <laughs> bit of a sarcastic sense of humor. And so I I probably do as much apologizing as I do telling jokes. But the point <laughs> is, you, you don't have to it, we're not called to just like in, in an honest way, every single person that's a Christian with us. But we're absolutely called to love them, as you said, be patient, long suffering. Um, mm-hmm. If if they are wrong about something, the Bible mm-hmm. gives us plenty of directives on how to, in a Christian way, go about that. But I had a professor right. once, not a Lutheran professor, but a professor who said, sometimes the relationship is more important than being right. Yeah. Now, there are certainly instances where that is actually not true. I mean, if someone is doing something sure. egregiously awful, obviously you need to intervene. But 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 I I heard that in terms of even if they need to be corrected, sometimes it's not on the spot. I think of Jesus. He didn't go around and everyone he encountered go, well, actually, mm-hmm. now sometimes he did do that, but but he didn't do that to everybody. It, right. he's, he's patient and long suffering. So I love this bearing with one another and then forgiving. This is important as the Lord has forgiven you. So mm-hmm. you also must forgive brother that is hard that's hard. how do we it do it is that? hard uh, again it's got to be going back to christ doesn't it this is not going to come from my inner strength to be able to forgive somebody but rather it comes from uh, being a new creation in christ so i go back to my baptism and i confess lord i'm i'm having a hard time forgiving this person give me a forgiving heart so that i can forgive and uh, it, it comes from the Lord. Now, as I've been forgiven, I am able to forgive by the by the mercy of the Holy Spirit. You know, you think about the the parable Jesus told of the unforgiving servant. You know, here's this guy who basically owes the national debt, right? And the master forgives him all of this debt. And then he goes out and he finds somebody who owes him not an insignificant amount of money, uh, but in comparison, an insignificant amount of money. And he refuses to forgive. He refuses to show the same mercy that he had been shown. And so then he's called back in by the master and he says, you know, you would not forgive as you've been forgiven. Uh, You will be accountable for all of your debt until you can pay it in full. Uh, and, and Jesus is teaching us there about forgiveness. Uh, there's nothing that anybody could do to me that is more grievous than what I've already done in sinning against God constantly. And yet God is gracious to forgive me. And so now as I've been forgiven, I am able to forgive. But I got to keep going back to Jesus. If I, if I keep trying to do this on my own, it's not going to work. It's got to be rooted in Christ. So this all, again, flows out of the therefore of baptism. He talks about putting on the new self. And then when he's describing what this looks like, we, we of course, been talking about kindness, humility, forgiveness, all that stuff, which is extremely important. 16, which I don't think gets a lot of a lot of press when we talk about Colossians. But he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, 
teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, and then singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving and hearts to God. So we have this idea that we are to worship together in these beautiful ways, but what's skipped over is the teaching and admonishing one another, like not waiting for the pastor to do it (laughs) and certainly not, well, let's just make some suggestions and hope they pick it up. But even admonishments built in there. Now there's a Christian and an unchristian way to do that. But I think sometimes we, we think that, and maybe it's our influence from culture, but that, well, you know, I, I, I don't have a right to say anything because I'm a sinner. And I would say you, not only do you have a right, but you have a duty because you know what it's like because you're a sinner. I don't know. How would you explain that to people that we have to admonish one another in love? Well, I think those first words are important there. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So the word of Christ is going to be the foundation for that. It's not an admonishment of, um, I don't like the way you're doing this because it's not the way I would do it. Uh, It's not about personal opinion, but rather it's rooted in Christ in his teaching. So if that admonishment is taking place, it must be admonishment that is rooted in the word of God. So it's not my admonishment of another person, but rather I'm I'm going to apply the word of God to you. I'm going to bring the word of Christ to you. And that is going to do the work. Uh, Now it's going to come through your mouth, my mouth, right? The mouths of our members, Uh, but it is the word of God as it has been internalized and now is being shared with somebody else. Uh, And so, yes, we admonish. Why? Because of love. If we are admonishing so that I can feel superior, if I'm admonishing so somebody else can feel bad because they were wrong, we're doing it wrong. We are in the wrong. But if we're admonishing because we love this person enough that we don't want them to walk in error, we don't want them to continue in sin, Uh, So we are admonishing them in love. Well, that is good and godly. And and you're right. That can be done by our members just as much as it can be done by us. And (laughs) not only that, our members can apply it to us as well. Sometimes we need to be admonished and corrected um, and be righted by the word of God. 17 says, and whatever you do. In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Um, You know, he says in 1 Corinthians, he adds, you know, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Kind of the same idea. When God looks upon the world, he doesn't see things as like, okay, this stuff is sacred and this stuff is secular, does he? I mean, it's all his. I mean, that's sort of our two kingdoms theology, our two kingdoms understanding or two realms, however you want to say it. So if you're at a job, and just because you're not a church worker doesn't mean that your job, your vocation isn't to be done any less to God's glory. But it seems like we have this idea, especially as Americans, especially with this concept of the separation of church and state or society and church, that we have this idea that, well, you know, there are places where God can be and there are places where we need to keep God out of it. I, I don't see that in the scriptures. <laughs> uh, I, I think – that the idea of vocation flows beautifully out of baptism. So the reality is, yeah, uh, we are given different responsibilities in life, different vocations, different callings. And that's what the the next section is going to touch on. Uh, But it it all flows out of baptism. 
But not everybody has been created to do the same thing. Not everybody is called by God to do the same thing. So on, on Sunday mornings, when we're up front and we're uh, doing the liturgy, we're reading the scriptures, we're preaching, uh, that is a task given to us. And it is good and it is holy. But during the week, when our members are doing their vocations, whether they're uh, stay-at-home moms, whether they are working in a white-collar job or a blue-collar job, whatever they might be doing, if they're students, that that is their calling. And so if they are doing that in love of God, in service of their neighbor, it is good and God-pleasing and holy just as much as anything that we do on Sunday mornings. And, and we get these things confused because people think, okay, if I'm going to do something holy for God, I have to do it in the front of the church where other people see me doing it as part of the service. No, you yeah. don't. That is, that's, that's completely wrong. Uh, that is not any holier. In fact, it could be less holy because now you're doing it because you want others to see you doing it mm, instead right. of yes. I'm doing it because God has given me this opportunity to love my neighbor by fulfilling my vocation. This is one of the things that I think is beautiful about the, the Lutheran expression of the biblical idea of vocation that our pastors are not are not elevated on the pedestal to the extent that you know this is holy work this is what our uh, medieval uh, friends would have said is super arrogation it's above and beyond work you know yeah you're a butcher you're a baker you're a candlestick maker but i'm out in the middle of the desert praying all day whipping myself with reeds uh that's in fact luther would argue that that's a lot less useful to your neighbor but Indeed. In, in our case, yeah, people say, well, pastor, we want to participate in worship more, right? We want to we want to have all all the youth up there doing a different aspect of the mm -hmm. liturgy. And we want to have and listen, I'm I'm not against incorporating people into the worship life of the church, but <laughs> not but not to the neglect of the our role, which is mm -hmm. for the hearers to hear and for the preachers to preach and then be equipped for the work of ministry to borrow Paul's phrase from elsewhere to then go out and do God's work in the vocation God has given you to do. Yeah. The question it, when people want to, to do that is why, right? right. Why do you want that? Uh, right. it, it's no better or holier or more important than the things God has given you to do. So, uh, well, let's not con confuse vocations and let's not start thinking this thing is where the really holy important stuff work, right. uh, happens. But Outside of the church walls, it's just kind of the mundane. It doesn't matter as much. That is completely wrong. And that's completely un-Lutheran because mm -hmm. it's completely unbiblical. <laughs> right. Of course. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't want to uh, shortchange our next section because we, we already don't have enough time to give it its just due. But we're <laughs> going to go ahead and look at uh, chapter 3, verse 18 through chapter 4, verse 1. And that'll be it. Here we go. Wives. Submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. 
And whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. And masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. All right. It's all you. I'll let you uh, unpack all. No, I'm just, <laughs> uh, take, take, take us through this because we have submit, love, obey, don't provoke, and, right. uh, and be just. So take us through yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and words that I think prick the old Adam and, and, and make us go, oh, wait, wait a minute. You know, that, that if, if I do that, then what's somebody else going to do? Right. Uh, our pride gets in the way here. So, again, how, how does this function? It comes flowing out of our baptismal identity when we know who we are, when we rec- recognize that uh, Christ has done all of the redeeming. And when we now live as those who are forgiven uh, so that we live in grace, extending grace to others. This is how we now will live. Uh, so wives, submit to your husbands as is, as is fitting in the Lord. Uh, our world hears that and goes, huh, well, the, I, I'm not letting somebody tell me what to do. I'm in charge of myself. Well, that's not what Paul is getting at here. And, and husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. Well, I, I can be harsh with my wife if I feel like it. If if she needs to, to have a stern talking to, I'm going to do that. Well, no, <laughs> this is this is our sinful pride getting in the way again. Uh, I, I like how uh, John Chrysostom again uh, speaks about this. He said, to love, therefore, is the husband's part. To yield pertains to the other side. If then each one contributes his own part, all stand firm. From being loved, the wife too becomes loving. And from her being submissive, the husband learns to yield. Uh, So we look at this and we say, well, if I show weakness, the other will exploit me. And in Christ, rather, we are able to see this and say, in acting for the better of the other person, acting in love towards the other person, submitting myself for the sake of that other person, we both benefit. There's peace. It is how God created things to be. So when we look after our own interests, first and foremost, things go poorly. When we look to the interest of the other, to our neighbor, Things go well, yeah. uh, and that Paul, extends. Paul treats. To, I was going to say real quick. Paul yeah, treats go ahead, this. Go ahead. Paul treats this in Ephesians five, of course, and I think that's typically mm-hmm. where we go for this teaching. But again, not a John Chrysostom, that's for sure. But I will say this: uh, growing up at Hardee's, <laughs> there was this <laughs> delicious raisin biscuit. Oh my goodness! It was a raisin biscuit. It had icing on. I used to work at Hardee's as a kid in high school, and I just loved this. And so, let's say you go through the drive-through. And your husband takes this, uh, they takes, they buy, you buy one for some reason. Maybe there's only one left and you take it and you split it with your wife and you break it in half and there's a big piece and there's a small piece and husbands, you love your wives. So you give that to your wife and your wife, because you're treating her with love, she sees that she gets the bigger portion and she easily submits to that because it's for her benefit. Mm -hmm. And and so that's a very simplistic way of saying if husbands are doing their jobs, 
in loving their wives like Christ loved the church, as he says elsewhere, then that's much easier to submit to. Now, of course, and we don't have time for it, but there are instances where husbands sin and wives Mm -hmm. might not be able to submit to that sin and shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And then and vice versa. Don't get me wrong. But this extends to parents, too. And, of course, bond servants. And we could talk forever about the difference between the slavery that we think of and the bond servants of this time. But but I think it might be easier just to sort of jump to today in terms of employment. Right. So there Mm -hmm. is a Christian way to behave in a world. It's not that God is saying that the bond servant system was righteous or even that our capitalistic economic system is righteous. He's saying you live in a world that is a certain way, mostly because of the fall into sin. But there is a way to be as a Christian in that world. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, as Christians, we have a an opportunity to serve our neighbor and to be the light of Christ in our world. When people see uh, Christians serving well, living out their faith well, uh, living out their vocations well, it makes a difference. This is one of the ways that the early church grew because people are looking around and seeing, oh, wow, look how these Christians love each other. Look how they work hard for the sake of others, not just for their own selfish gain. And and they noticed there's something different there. And and they wanted to learn more. They wanted to find out what is at the root of this. Uh, That selfless living comes when we are living from the selfless giving of Christ. Uh, I, I think it is summed up well there in verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily for the Lord and not for men. <laughs> it's not that we're not trying to serve men by what we do, but rather our, our our duty is to the Lord. And when we do these things, it glorifies God. We're not just doing it for the sake of others seeing us and saying, oh, wow, look at that guy with that great servant heart. We just want to honor God. We want to live for the Lord. And if other people notice it, cool. If they don't notice it, who cares? Because the Mm -hmm. Lord sees and the Lord will honor what we are doing for him. Oh, I, I'm so glad that you said that. If people don't see it, who cares? <laughs> and, and because, right? Because Christ does always see it. Your, your, your works, your efforts, your struggles, your agonizing through the faith, those things are rewarded in heaven. That's what the Bible says. You don't mm-hmm. get rewarded with salvation for your struggles, of course, but right. God takes these things into account. And I Mm -hmm. think that's a beautiful note. I I don't know what the context is, but I I think it might have been President Ronald Reagan. But someone said something about if you don't, there's no there's no limit to what you can accomplish, accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. Yeah. And 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 that's kind of like with the Christian faith. You know, if you're living for God, then 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 there's no there's no you don't have to worry about whether or not you're, you're getting rewarded and recognized in this life. Mm-hmm. I think another one, and this has been, I think, falsely attributed to Chrysostom, but it's still a great quote. And that is, that is, if you kind of knew how quickly people would forget you, you would, you would live only for the Lord in this life. Now that's a little extreme, but because we certainly know that we're remembered in the hearts of the people we touch, but you know, you fast forward a hundred years, it, that's not unrealistic, right? We're, no, our time sure. on earth is very short. A- yeah. And so, yeah, we are forgotten, yet we are eternally 
with God forever. And so he's the one we should be seeking to please. And of course, we please him by serving our neighbor. Yeah, absolutely. So we don't have to worry about the credit that the world gives to us. Right. Because we're not we're not doing it for the sake of having other people see us and do that. Now, that, that is very contrary to our social media, self-attention seeking way of doing things these days. Uh, people need that attention. I need you to notice that I did this. Uh, I, I, we, we live for the Lord. We don't have to worry about that. I was thinking about my one of my sons was uh, in a soccer game when he was little and his grandparents happened to be there. They, they live far away. They're not able to come for many things. And they were here for a soccer game and he scored a goal. And the first thing he did was he looked over at them to make sure they were watching, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So I did this thing, but I need to know that you saw it. Right. And, And sometimes we're like that with the world. We, 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 okay, I'm willing to serve. I'll clean the church, but I need everybody to know that I'm doing it. Or (laughs) I'm doing this thing for the church, but I need everybody to recognize I'm doing this. Uh, The greatest servants in the church are doing these things and nobody even knows about it. You know, I I, I know so many times in in my congregation, there are things that just get done. And the people that do it don't want recognition because that's not why they're doing it. They're simply doing it out of devotion to the Lord. And we're so grateful to them. And folks, we're grateful for you for tuning in and listening. Unfortunately for me and my guest, because I'm loving this conversation, but we're at the end of our time. So I'd like to thank him officially this morning, the Reverend Benjamin Meyer, pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Sunbury, Ohio. Thank you, Pastor Meyer, for being on the program. I hope you come back soon. Oh, my pleasure. And uh, thank you for letting me get on and talk about Colossians. Oh, I I love it. I've been really enjoying the whole study and especially today. Folks, tomorrow we're going to be with Reverend Chris Mathis. He's going to take us into the closing of Colossians. Um, We'll just have to wait and talk about it tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. God's peace and blessings be with you as we pray. Father, keep us in thy strong word. 